Welcome to Driving Forces, where we focus on the big issues in city, state, and national politics that matter to you. You were just listening to Let's Talk with John Kane. I'm Jeff Simmons, your host of Driving Forces. Welcome back, and thank you for staying with WBAI. I'm sure if you've been paying attention or if you weren't paying attention but now suddenly have become aware, the coronavirus seems to be stepping up significantly in our city. I'm doing this show on the heels of two news conferences this afternoon by Governor Cuomo and then Mayor de Blasio just a short while ago. Uh, Mayor de Blasio declared a state of emergency. Now, it has been suggested that the five boroughs could be quarantined and public schools could be closed, but that was not announced at this point. And the mayor's office has contradicted rumors and a, a misinformed tweet suggesting that all of transit could be shut down, that the city was totally going to be shut down. That has not happened, but the mayor has declared a state of emergency. And the governor announced a ban on gatherings of 500 or more people uh, across the state for the foreseeable future. So that means, uh, in addition to many of the large gatherings that you might be thinking of, some of these giant events, Broadway theaters are also shut down as of 5 o'clock today. At this time, there are 95 cases confirmed in the city, and Mayor de Blasio said that the number of cases in our city could uh, escalate to as many as a thousand by next week. Statewide, the governor earlier today had confirmed that 328 people in the state have tested positive, the majority of them in that cluster that you've been hearing about in Westchester County. Uh, this is just growing exponentially. I mean, think of just the last 24 or 48 hours uh, where officials had gone from saying not to panic, uh, and they're still cautioning not to panic. Uh, but this has been declared a global pandemic by the World Health Organization. There are new travel limitations. I'm not sure if you had listened to or watched the president last night deliver remarks at, I believe it was about 9 o'clock, in which he had uh, announced travel restrictions. We're all being advised to socially distance from one another. Uh, sports leagues, uh, the NBA have uh, announced that, uh, that they're not going to continue their seasons. Uh, public school, the public school system here in New York City has not been closed down, but the Archdiocese has announced that it's, I think it was about 19,000 students that are in its uh, schools. Those are going to be closed, but city, city and state universities have announced an end to their in-class semesters. They're going to be uh, adhering to uh, distance learning. Uh, and also for many of you who were uh, looking forward to the St. Patrick's Day parade, that has been postponed. It's interesting when people are canceling events at this time, saying that they're not canceled, they're just postponed to another date. I work with a few cultural institutions uh, that are dealing with this, and they're uh, postponing and actually searching for new dates for their programming. Uh, but as this is going on, What's interesting is that originally I had wanted to work, you know, thinking this was not going to get uh, too bad, but I wanted to focus on why today uh, is an important day for not just New Yorkers, uh, but anyone across our country. And that's uh, and I didn't want to lead into this, you know, to make it seem like it was something extreme and bad, but it's actually something positive that is happening as of today. And that brings me to our first guest, Julie Menon, who's the director of the census for New York City, where she's in charge uh, with organizing extensive outreach efforts to encourage every New York City resident to participate in this upcoming or in this 2020 census. So with that, I'd like to welcome you, Julie, to WBAI. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. So uh, yesterday, the Census Bureau, I just opened the show by talking about coronavirus and the Census Bureau had issued its statement uh, about the coronavirus in the census, saying that the key message right now for anyone with questions about COVID-19 will and how it will affect the 2020 census is that it has never been easier to respond on your own. So can you elaborate on that and why today is a key date in the 2020 census? Sure, I'd be happy to. So the census kicks off officially today. And as of today, people can go on the website at my2020census.gov and fill the form out. It takes 10 minutes, it's 10 questions, or they can go to the toll-free number 1-844-330-2020. And the reason, obviously, it is so important is because we're fighting for our fair share of funding for public education and public schools and public housing. 
Now, with the coronavirus, really the number one message we have for New Yorkers with regard to the census is fill it out online or by phone. You can fill it out in 10 minutes. You don't have to need to go to any location to fill it out. You've got these two options to do so. For those New Yorkers that don't have access to broadband, again, we urge them to go to the toll-free number. There is um, uh, 13 different numbers, actually, in 13 different languages that the Federal Census Bureau has. I gave the one for English, but there are 13 other ones. And we really think that if people would just fill it out in the first four to five weeks, that would then eliminate any need for door knocking. So one of the things I had to correct a colleague of mine today who had wanted to note immediately, go online and fill out the census. I said you have to first check your mail because you get something in the mail that will give you, I believe it's a special code. That's correct? You do get something in the mail, but actually you do not need to wait for that oh. at all. Go online immediately uh, and fill it out. The code is just um, something that the federal government has to, that makes an immediate match uh, for that person that's like an identifier, but it's absolutely not needed. So you can go on the website right now. All you do is enter your name and address. You just go to my2020census.gov and you put in your name and address and immediately you can fill the census out. So you just corrected my misperception. What are some of the, (laughs) oh no, but that's good. That leads me into my next question about what are some of the misperceptions you've been hearing about the census and about people who are on the fence about participating? Well, a lot of times people say to me, I don't want to fill it out because it asks all sorts of personal information, my Social Security number, my income, et cetera. It doesn't ask any of that. So let me tell you what it does ask. It asks your name, your address, you rent or own your home, your age, your gender, race and ethnicity information, and how many people live in your home. That's it. And as you know, we won the lawsuit at the Supreme Court on the citizenship case the city of New York was a plaintiff along with the New York Attorney General and others, and we won our case at the Supreme Court. So there no longer is a citizenship question. And as far as online access, I know in the world that we're living in, we've often heard about uh, cyber threats. What about security issues if some people are worried about those? Look, we understand that, and that's why you know the city of New York was very involved in working with the Regional Census Bureau and making sure Uh, that we felt comfortable in terms of filling the census out online, whether it be at public libraries or other public sites. But we've got to also remember what the census is asking. It's asking 10 questions, information that largely the federal government already has. Um, So this idea that people should not fill the census out because they don't want to provide some kind of personal information, that, that again, is part of the misinformation around the census. And so we want to make sure that people understand that. Also, if anyone doesn't want to fill it out online, you always have the telephone option as well. So that's another way. And if you don't want to fill it out that, that way, you can also fill it out the paper form. The paper form is still available. Um, however, only about 20% of New Yorkers receive the paper form in that first mailing. Every New Yorker receives the paper form if they haven't filled it out by the end of April. But we certainly don't encourage New Yorkers to wait for that because right after that, the federal government will do the door knocking on anyone who has not filled the census out. So again, number one message, just fill this out online or by telephone, and no one will come knock on your door. I mean, you think about that, 10 questions, that's a minute, two minutes long. That does not take long at all. It doesn't take long at all. It literally takes minutes. And it, we're really encouraging New Yorkers to, maybe they take a picture of themselves, filling it out, push it out on social media. Make sure that your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues are all filling it out. It couldn't be more important because this is a nationwide competition. For everyone in New York City that does not fill the census out, all that means is other states are getting our money. But they're also getting our congressional representation because in the mid-1950s, New York State had 43 members of Congress. Now we have 27. And in an undercount, that could fall to 25. So it's about funding and it's about political power. So you're talking about the undercounts, and I know that in previous years there have been uh, – it's been reported that there were undercounts in New York City. Historically, what neighborhoods in the city have you seen serious undercounts, and who are some of the hardest yeah. people to, to count? It's, you know, it's a great question. So in 2010, only 61.9% of New Yorkers self-responded, meaning they filled out the census themselves as opposed to waiting for the door knocking. And the areas that really um, had lower self-response rates were in, for example, central Brooklyn neighborhoods. Um, 
that Harlem and Manhattan, so there were certain neighborhoods that had lower response rates. The, the neighborhood that is at 77.5%, beating the national average of 76%. So those have traditionally been neighborhoods um, that have, and so we've sort of doubled down in our efforts in those neighborhoods. So and there was the controversy over the citizenship question. Uh, that question is not, they're incredibly educated, so I know that they know this, uh, that they've been following some of the measures that your office is taking to kind of reach out in the next few weeks and in the, in the next few months to try to reach out to those communities to to correct the misperceptions and to reach mm-hmm. people who are reluctant to fill out. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's really incredibly important because a lot of people still erroneously believe the citizenship question is on. So we have disseminated $19 million in grants to 157 community organizations on the ground that are trusted voices in their neighborhood. Um, Largely, many of those groups have worked um, in communities for many, many years, either with immigrant communities, hard-to-count communities, and they're the trusted voices. So we are really working very closely with them to make sure people know the citizenship question isn't on. We're also partnering with 1,000 houses of worship, um, to, as, as again, as trusted messengers. And then we're doing everything from phone banking, text messaging. We're going to be doing a text-a-thon that reaches millions of New Yorkers, you know, with very clear information. We also have an advertising campaign on TV, on the radio, print, digital. And in there, we make very clear that there is no citizenship question. And so I'm someone who is your prime voter, for instance. I'm going to be an early voter this weekend when I go to my local library regarding the Queen's uh, borough president election. And I and I recall that libraries also across the city were providing access to people to be able to fill out uh, their census forms because of coronavirus, where the libraries are pulling back on programming, for instance. Is this service still going to be available at many of those locations? Yeah, as of today, the information is that the service still is available. I mean, look, we're in a very fast-changing situation with coronavirus, so that could change. We have over 300 pop-up sites uh, that have computer terminals and service census pop-ups. We will be perhaps publishing that list. We haven't yet simply because we want to make sure they all have proper protocols in terms of sanitizer and cleaning supplies. So we didn't want to uh, publish that list and, and encourage New Yorkers to go there until we are guaranteed that all those facilities are, have been properly cleaned and have the proper supplies. But the libraries, as of this moment, are still serving um, to provide census information. And we're just a few weeks out from April 1st. Why is April 1st a pivotal day for you? Well, April 1st is a nationwide census day, and so we're going to do a lot of awareness around that. Certainly with coronavirus, um, our awareness, um, you know, will focus much more on the phone banking and texting as opposed to large-scale town halls. I will say, you know, until this date beforehand, we've already had 500 large-scale town hall-type style events uh, throughout the year, so we have already done a lot of that, and now we're moving more to the get out the count, you know, doing textathons, doing phone banking, and having people fill it out. And you mentioned the pop-up sites that you'll publish, and that leads me uh, to the final question I've got for you, Julie, which is where should people go to get that information, particularly if, I, I, my feeling is, I know that there's a census. I know that I'm going to take part in this. I know what, now that you've also corrected me about how I go ahead and, and can fill this out online, which then I could do when I get home tonight. But uh, for people who even have questions, where's the main resource they should go to get this information and to learn where they can go even to discover a pop-up site when this is sure. published? Sure. So we'd love for them to go to our website, which is nyc.gov census. Or for any reason they don't have access to the internet, call 311. But really, the best thing to do is to go on the Federal Census Bureau website, which is my2020census.gov, or you can call their toll free number at 1 844 2020, and someone will be able to take your census right there. And I promise you, Jeff, it takes less than 10 minutes. Julie Menon, I want to thank you so much for joining me here on WBAI today. Thanks for having me.
So I was just talking with Julie Menon, who leads New York City's census efforts. This is uh, WBAI's Driving Forces. We're on 99.5 FM. We're also streaming live at WBAI.org. And in a few minutes, we're going to be joined by uh, two guests from the same institution, Sunnyside Community Services, who are on the front lines as Julie's talking about what they are doing citywide uh, and, ha- and having the pop-up sites and having the 500 uh, town halls. The uh, this is an organization in Queens that is really, you know, I like to say boots on the ground out there in the community trying to get people uh, to fill out the census. But they've been preparing for this moment. A number of nonprofits across the city have been. I do some work with an organization called Community Resource Exchange. And what they've been doing for the last several months is holding workshops. And Sunnyside was one of the organizations that had actually gone to one of them. And they connected me with them when I said, I need someone who's on the ground to talk to me about the possible challenges. Uh, and when I even started looking at this, it was before we even heard, uh, well, we, we might have heard the word coronavirus, but recently the, you know, COVID-19, this was before this had even emerged. Uh, but in their workshops, uh, CRE had told me that they had been hearing from people who were worried at that point, this is late last year, that they still felt that there, uh, the misperception that there was a citizenship question on there. And you think of all the other actions that uh, have been going on as a result of the uh, presidential administration regarding immigration, most recently the public charge rule, which would deny benefits to a number of legal immigrants uh, to things like housing and, and, and food. Uh, and so there is a concern that you know, among a number of immigrant communities that this, you know, census could somehow be used uh, to hurt their ability to get benefits, but more than that, that they could be uh, removed, deported uh, from our country. Just as we wait for our next guest on the line, I want to just go back to a few other developments uh, because, you know, for those of you who tune into the show, you know that often we talk about politics and the uh, the presidential race. And, you know, there was a development you might not have heard of because now we're down to two key candidates who are scheduled to debate this coming weekend, if you had not heard, uh, given the concerns about the coronavirus, that debate, was, which was due to take place in Phoenix, is now being moved to Washington, D.C., and there is not go between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. That is not going to have a live audience anymore uh, because, you know, there's this whole premise that if we socially distance ourselves from others that we're not in large crowds, that this will help to, I think it's like called flattening the curve preventing the uh, the virus from continuing an upward swing, but kind of flattening it out so that eventually it can dissipate by not uh, connecting as closely with other people. So this debate is being moved uh, to D.C. for this Sunday. But you just think of what has been going on. Uh, and in the final portion of the show, I'm going to want to hear from some of you what you think about the city's response to this, the state's response, but also uh, uh, our presidents. You know, I'm curious if you watched this last night, if you felt that the president was late in conceding that we needed to take more uh, significant measures, if you feel the measures were the right ones, if you think there was a political dynamic to this. But even looking ahead to the presidential election, Think about how this coronavirus is impacting the way our candidates campaign, how even on a local level, how people go out. We're in that petition season now. I'm sure if many of you uh, go to farmers markets on Sundays uh, recently, you're being uh, approached. I won't say accosted. I'll say approached by people who are carrying petitions, getting you to sign so that their candidates can get on the ballot. Uh, Similarly, uh, there are, uh, a number of events that our campaign, that our candidates, uh, want to hold that are being scrapped for now so that, uh, they're gonna have to find new, this new and creative ways to reach to ha- to gain their support. We've seen during campaign seasons. Now, what's interesting is that we're down to, I mean, I know Tulsi Gabbard is still only other candidates who has not said she's dropping out of the race right now. And Joe Biden, particularly here in New York, uh, on the ballot, you wonder what is going to happen in the week votes in about another a little over a month from now. 
uh, and what we, you know, what effort can use to escalate the way it has. Just as a brief recap, uh, before we get to, uh, before I get to our next, uh, my next guests, the mayor and the governor had held, for those of you just tuning in here to Driving Forces, the mayor and the governor had held press conferences today. The mayor declared a state of emergency here in the city. Public schools have not been closed down. Our, our, uh, university system has announced distance learning as and shut down uh, in-person classes, most of them uh, for the rest of the semester. And the governor announced a ban on gatherings of 500 or more people across the state for the foreseeable future. And that includes many of our Broadway theaters, uh, which basically have upwards of 500 seats so that uh, they are being shut down. Uh, now, uh, for the next few weeks, uh, to start. And, and the mayor, just one other figure that was just astounding that he had said during this press conference, which was only within the last hour before this show started, uh, is that he expected it could be as many as a thousand people that we see diagnosed by next week. This is just affecting everything about our lives, if you think about it, uh, from the economy, uh, to our local businesses, to our livelihoods. P- uh, people with kids are still not sure what is going to happen. Many kids in New York City rely on the food that they also get when they go to school each day. So what would happen if the school system is shut down? A lot of questions are out there right now uh, about the impact of the coronavirus. So I was talking a little earlier uh, about how I was referred to uh, Sunnyside Community Services by Community Resource Exchange. And so now joining me on the line are, are two individuals, Judy Zangwell, who's the executive director of the organization, and Jesus Casado Gonzalez, who's the organization's census manager, both to talk a little about uh, not just how the coronavirus is impacting the uh, census count this season, but also about what's in store, what normally would be taking place as we kind of hit the streets to encourage people to fill out the census. So, uh, Judy and Jesus, thank you so much for joining me on WBAI today. Thank you. So, Judy, I'd like to start with you, because I briefly earlier described Sunnyside Community Services, but can you just talk a little bit about what your organization does, your range of services, and who you serve? So, we're a settlement house, providing services to seniors and to families and adult people. I'm I'm sorry, families and children. The entire spectrum, we have been providing vital programs to the people of Queens and beyond for more than 45 years. And so just to give you some examples, we begin with our youngest participants with pre-K, after school, summer camps, college and career prep for teens. We also help recent immigrants with English classes and case assistance, and we have a range of services for seniors as well, helping them age in their homes and communities from an active senior center with fitness, arts, computer classes, mental health, nutritious food. And then we have homebound seniors, um, which we feel is key in terms of the census because they tend to be the more isolated people, and we actually have 2,000 home health aides who provide care in the home in order to keep them in their homes and in their communities. So this is particularly critical for us. We do get a lot of government dollars from the city and state, and some of these come from the federal government. Obviously, they flow through the city and state, but from the federal government, and we provide these programs to about 16,000 people and obviously would not be able to each year without the funding from the government. So that's why we feel it's so important to have an accurate census count. And Jesus, leading up to today, uh, when folks, and Julie Menon and I just talked about this a little while ago, when folks can begin filling out the census online, what are some of the actions that Sunnyside Community Services has taken to prepare for this? Sure. So for the past two months, we've put together a census team, and we've been providing trainings to all of our staff, which is about 180 employees here at the agency. We've also provide our presentations at our local schools for their parent-teacher conferences for the past few weeks. We've uh, provided training uh, presentations to our senior center downstairs that serves uh, seniors on a daily basis. So with the goal of uh, providing as much information in preparation for Census Day, which, as you stated, uh, started today. And Judy, what role, and you know, I know this, but I'd love to hear you articulate it uh, because I work with a number of nonprofits. What role do community-based nonprofits play across the city this season and in the coming weeks and months to encourage people to take part in the census? First of all, I mean, I think they play a critical role. I think our reach 
um, many of us have a very extensive reach. I think we also, those people we serve, there's also the trust factor in many cases, you know, that has already been established. And we also are sharing resources with other not-for-profits. We actually, Sunnyside Community Services, convened a meeting with many of the not-for-profits who are doing census work in Queens to talk about how we can collaborate for outreach. And also the umbrella groups, for instance, United Neighborhood Houses has done a lot. Um, they have done a lot in terms of convening meetings with us and also provided some financial support. And something I had talked with Julie about, you know, and I even had one uh, a misperception. Jesus, I'm curious what some of the most common misperceptions you've heard about the census are that are out there. Oh, absolutely. There are several ones that uh, the community has been very concerned about. One is on the citizenship question. Uh, there were some attempts made last year to add that question to the census form, which is not the case. So the census does not ask for immigration or citizenship status. It also doesn't ask for uh, the Social Security number. That's another concern from the community that uh, the census would, would um, ask for questions on financial information, uh, which is not the case. Uh, there is also the misconception that only citizens can participate, and that's, again, not the case. Uh, everyone living in the states should be participating in the census. Who do you find, Jesus, are some of the hardest people to count in your area? Sure. So we've identified different uh, communities or groups. Uh, one being children under the age of five, again, because of the misconception that only adults should participate. That led to a very um, you know, high number of children not counted last census. Also, we have homebound seniors and people living with disabilities, something that's very relevant to the work that we do here at Sunnyside. Uh, people living... Um, who, uh, who live in non-traditional living arrangements, uh, like basements or people who rent rooms, uh, foreign-born populations, uh, non-English speakers, so this impacts our immigrant uh, communities very uh, directly. Uh, so those are some of the, the populations and groups that we have identified as hard to count. You know, and something that you had mentioned, Judy, about homebound seniors, that's a, a very good uh, question. Uh, or a very good point to raise. Uh, you know, I live in a, a neighboring community in Jackson Heights and, you know, I'm very active in uh, local organizations. And I, I know that there are a lot of people who care about the community who are, who are out there and who are even working, uh, you know, as far as the census. Uh, what, you know, in your view, you know, how much do you think the coronavirus is going to impact the work that organizations like yours are going to be doing in the coming weeks? Well, we're very concerned about it, Jeff. We canceled. We were going to have a census kickoff party tonight. We canceled that. Um, we're very concerned about what well, we know, what has recently come out with what Governor Cuomo has said, and we're concerned about groups getting together. We're concerned, frankly, about people answering their doors. Obviously, we've seen a decline in our programs and attendance in general, and so I think we're really going to have to modify our outreach. Um, I personally think, and there are many who agree with me, that the date needs to be delayed um, because it certainly will affect the effectiveness. And also, this is, it's obviously taking, it will take longer to reach the people we want to reach. Are you still there? Yeah, no, I'm. Ju I finished. <laughs> oh, I thought I lost you for a second. It got really quiet. Uh, you know, you raise a good point, but for something like that to happen, that would be up to our members of Congress. They would have to do that officially, right. or is that something that the president could just uniformly do? Right, right. Are you asking me if it's something the president yeah, could uniformly I, do? I, or I feel yeah. like I feel like it is. Some, I mean, it's a very good point that you raise. Uh, you know, and I think that. Uh, we're going to be hearing more about this, that our, our, our elected officials would, should need to push for this because it is, right. you know, an unforeseen circumstance that we're involved in right now. Right. And, you know, also when I say modifying our outreach so that, you know, some of that is, is using technology more. But, you know, we know also that there are people who we want to reach who aren't technologically savvy. So, you know, using social media and all that, there probably will be um, more of a need to do that. But then how do we reach those? I mean, this publicity, frankly, right now that you're offering us is wonderful, is, is another wonderful way to reach people. But, you know, we are very concerned about it. You know, I will say, and I'm glad that Julie and I had this talk at the top of the show, which is this is very easy to fill out for people you know, when they see what the census is asking and they come to understand how the information 
is used and how it matters uh, as far as representation, uh, you know, it's it does not take much time to do. So, you know, I'm someone who's always reading and always involved in this. So I'm in the middle of this, but I know that there are challenges out there and it's great to hear. Uh, from organizations that are out there on the front lines and will be in the coming weeks. April 1st, uh, Julie and I talked about this too, is Census Day. What are, Jesus, what are some of the things that Sunnyside Community Services is planning at this point to be able to do that day? Yes, well, for the next few weeks, we're going to do some of the social media outreach as well, some text banking. For April 1st, uh, it's going to depend on how things develop in terms of the coronavirus here in the city. But we were planning to have a, a big event that, like the one we were planning to have today. So uh, to open the doors of our community center downstairs to have the community members come and fill out the census here. We have a, a staff, uh, a team of nine employees uh, working directly on census stuff that will help uh, community members to fill out the census in different forms, on the phone, online, or if they even brought their paper-based uh, form. And for people in the community who want to know more about Sunnyside Community Services and about the work that you're doing, Judy, where should they go? I think the easiest thing would be to go to our website, which is www.scsny.org. www.scs for Sunnyside Community Services, ny.org. Um, I can also give you a phone number. Our main phone number is 718-784-6173. I want to thank you so much, Judy Zangwill, Executive Director, and Jesus Casado-Gonzalez, the Census Manager for Sunnyside Community Services, for joining me today on WBAI. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you, you, Jeff. Bye-bye. So you've been listening to WBAI 99.5 FM's Driving Forces, streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, and we've been focusing on the census as well as the the impact of the coronavirus on the count. And today is a pivotal day because you can go online to be able to fill out the census. And one person who I understand had filled out the census today is joining me now here, a special surprise guest for us. Uh, the New York City public advocate, Jumani Williams, joins me now here on WBAI. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. So, I know you made a point this morning of being out there and discussing the census. Talk to us, tell our listeners why this is important, why you're out there trumpeting this to make sure that people fill out the census. No, the census is critically important. New York City uh, 10 years ago uh, had a bad turnout in comparison to the rest of the nation. We were about 62%. The nation was at 76%. Brooklyn, New York had the worst turnout in the entire nation. We lost two congressional seats. So we really need to make sure that we fill this out. And most people think of the census as people knocking on their doors and the enumerators come and ask the questions. One, with where we are now with uh, corona, I know folks are going to be a little hesitant. But two, if people come to knock on your door, it's actually too late. And so we want people to be filling this out from day one. And day one is today at 6 a.m. You can go online, mycensus2020.gov. You can fill it out. You don't need anything in the mail. You don't need any information except your own and whoever is actually in your house. Uh, and so if you go on the website, they'll ask you for a number in the mail. You'll, you'll scroll down and say, I don't have one, and you keep going. I fill it out today on TV, less than 10 minutes. There were three people in my household and got it done. Uh, and, you know, in case people, hopefully they care about representation in Congress, but if they don't, it's actually billions of dollars. And so it, it helps fund things like, school seats, uh, um, hospital uh, beds, and, and um, Medicaid. Uh, it helps fund housing vouchers. And so if you want your kid to have a, a seat in school, if you want to be able to go to hospital and get served, you need to fill this out because you may go there, but you may not have been counted and would have lost the ability to get that kind of service. And what's so interesting is, you know, on a day where the mayor has say, you know, declared a state of emergency regarding the coronavirus, I still wanted to focus on this topic so that people knew that you can go online and do this. And there may be some reluctance, but even going back, you know, be- before all of this happened regarding the virus, I think there's a lot of concern or there were concerns out in the communities based on a number of actions coming down from our federal government, from the president himself, uh, which have targeted immigrants, which have made a number of people fearful about, you know, 
coming out of the shadows. You know, how do you combat that now? Because you know, there there still is a lot of lingering concern over that. And I appreciate that, and I appreciate that. You know, a lot of folks are, are focused elsewhere now, rightfully so. Just to remind folks, you can do this at home. You can do it on your phone. You can do it at work, and so it's very easy. Uh, to your point, um, you know, I don't know if you can say this, but uh, I am very not a huge supporter of this uh, president at all, even a little bit. I know folks are waiting uh, to vote him out in November. And what I tell people is before you do that, if you really want to get back at them, fill out the census, because they did as much as possible to prevent people from filling out the census. There is no longer uh, a citizenship question on the census, so nobody has to worry about citizenship information. Now there's even more information that people can fill out in terms of who they are, uh, instead of just saying black, African-American, you can also say black and then designate if you came from the Caribbean, if you came from some other uh, island. And so we think that's important so people can get the richness of who they are. And we need to make sure our undocumented New Yorkers fill this out uh, in particular because the hardest to count people are uh, actually black men, black children, and our immigrant population. And so we need them to fill it out because they're going to come for these services we want, to make sure, we want to make sure that those services are there. Literally, this information cannot be used for anything else except simply for counting uh, who's in the household. So we're telling everybody, you know, who, no matter who's living on your sofa, who's living in the bathroom, whatever that is, fill it out. If they are in your house on as of and will be on the house as of April 1st, that's why they're calling April 1st Census Day, that's the day that everybody's looking at. So who's going to be in your household on April 1st, no matter where they're going to be on April 2nd or uh, where they're going to be on March 31st, who's going to be in your household living with you on April 1st, make sure they're accounted for on that census form that takes less than 10 minutes. In my case, it might even take less than five. So, public advocate, I just have you, I know, for another minute or two. And, you know, given that the mayor and the governor have had press conferences today, giving the latest information on how coronavirus has impacted our city and state and some of the actions that are being taken, uh, I'm sure you have been following this. I'm sure your office is getting phone calls, uh, asking for guidance. How do you feel our city and state elected officials have handled this? And is there any other steps that you think we need to consider at this time? Well, obviously, there's buffoonery happening at the White House, so we know that. Uh, and if you compare it to that, everybody shines. Uh, but I, I would say the truth of the matter is, up until now, I, I think the governor and the mayor, except for the governor's power grab, which he can't seem to really help himself, but other than that, I think those two have done a good job of providing up-to-date information, of uh, providing transparency. But I think we're moving past that now, and we really have to give direction to the city people are trying to figure out what to do with their workforce um, and, and what to do with the, uh, a lot of their day-to-day lives. What I want to remind people of is that we need to be very concerned about this, but we shouldn't go into hysteria. So I want to do, uh, you know, fact versus fear. And the fact of the matter is the vast majority of people who end up contracting uh, COVID-19, coronavirus, which is going to grow. We just have to prepare for that. But 80 to 90 percent of them are going to have very minimal symptoms, and they're going to self-heal. That's, that's the good news. What we need to be concerned about is the 10 to 20 percent who are of the most vulnerable population. And so seniors over 50, 60 years old, or people who have underlying conditions, there are what we have to prepare for primarily. So we have to do two things. We have to make sure that we lessen the congestion in the street and we increase social distance from each other. And that's not for 80, 90% people who are going to self-heal, although we don't want them to get sick, that's for the 10 to 20% of a vulnerable population. So even if you're going to be okay, you may be going home to someone that's part of a vulnerable population, or you may touch someone else that um, is also going to be okay, but that person might be going to someone uh, who has a vulnerable population. So I just want to reframe is that most of us uh, will, uh, if we contract it, uh, hopefully we don't, we're going to, at the end of the day, self-heal, but we all have to intentionally do what we can to protect the most vulnerable population. And that does mean uh, we have to move into containment and mitigation mode. And our office is going to actually make some announcements tomorrow about what we're doing. Of course, you can make them right here on WBAI. Okay, I'm letting you go on that one. <laughs> Public advocate, I want, I want to thank you so much for joining me here uh, on WBAI today. Thank you so much for having me. 
So I want to open up the phone lines. We have about 10, 12 minutes left before I'm going to have to start to wrap up the show. So if you would like to give us a call, the number is 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. I want to know if you agree with the measures that our elected officials have been taking regarding the coronavirus. Are they doing enough? Uh, do you have strong opinions like our public advocate has uh, given a few mo- shared a few moments ago about how the president has handled this? Did you watch the president last night? Curious what you think about that. Do you feel like people are overreacting or not taking this seriously enough? And also one piece of advice health officials have uh, consistently said is that the flu has killed more people and in the past have recommended you've got to get a flu shot. So I'm always curious how you feel about that. I believe we have a caller on the line. Welcome to WBAI. What is on your mind? Uh, we had a call. Number to call is 212-209-2877. Uh, our officials are giving uh, a number of recommendations that saying stay home if you're not feeling well. I believe uh, I've seen this from quite a few organizations directing you to the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. Uh, saying here's where you can go for some guidance. I mean, a lot is common sense, but it is incredibly important to see it uh, and uh, particularly as it's being reinforced uh, advising people on not getting onto crowded subways at this point uh, again if you're sick stay home but also uh, make sure to uh, constantly wash your hands to uh, about for about 20 seconds with hot water lots of advice being out there I believe we have a few callers coming in right now so let's take one of those calls welcome to WBAI what is on your mind um, yes, I. Good. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I saw the, pre- I saw the president last night. Uh, he seems like he's starting to finally get serious. But as I watch him, I also remember that this is the same guy who probably in another week or two or, or say something along the lines of it's a democratic hope. So you you know what I'm saying? It's like I'm I'm seeing that a lot of officials are starting to take it serious. He's starting to take it serious, but I'm also seeing games that are being played at the same time. There's a lot that could have been done earlier. And and I'm glad you said that because near the end of his speech last night, when he suddenly started talking about this not being time for partisanship, and I thought, okay, he's trying to just do a little dig right now. Because also, didn't uh, Joe Biden say the day before that uh, today or tomorrow he was going to be uh, making an announcement regarding his approach to containing this? That's what I also felt uh, positioned the or prompted the president to hold his uh, his remarks last night. And I know you have other callers, so I'll, I'll be <laughs> quick with this one. But I also heard. But let's keep in mind too: we're talking. He's talking about. Uh, yes, I stopped China from coming in. And the meanwhile, as someone said, the kill, you know it's like a horror film. The killer is in the house. What you've done is lock the house to keep other killers from getting in. You haven't dealt with the killer inside the house. As a horror movie fan, I appreciate that reference. Thanks so much for calling WBAI. Got another caller on the line. Welcome to WBAI. What is on your mind? Hi, welcome to WBAI. Hi, uh, thank you for uh, taking my call. Uh, I think uh, the government has been very slow to react to this whole outbreak. Um, They could have done a better job in the fact that we're at this point right now and they've taken uh, all this time to get to where they're starting to stagger and close certain organizations and places. Um, It's just taken so long, not to mention they put bans on certain uh, places to have less than 500 people but we still have public city schools that are open where there's a, a maximum of students, right, that uh, can transfer uh, these viruses uh, back and forth to everybody. So uh, I think the government needs to do a better job at doing that. Thank you so much for calling in and offering that opinion, too. And that is one of the key questions that's out there uh, is about what is going on with our New York City public school system. Uh, some feel that we are just poised uh, getting ready for the announcement that it is going they are going to be closed. The I think it's about 1,100, 1,800 schools right now. I never get it right. Uh, 1.1 million uh, students. But I know that there is concern that for many families, if the schools are shut, that just changes their lives even more dramatically uh, as far as child care. But also many students in the city are relying on fo- the provision of food. Uh, that is a system that has to be set up too, to be. Uh, and I think there had been an announcement that they 
they will be able to still receive the food, but you know, I don't know all the details on that yet. We have another caller on the line. Welcome to yeah, WBAI. Yeah, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Street Council, Newark, New Jersey. I think that uh, this is an important topic. You know, I think also that we rely too heavily on government uh, to provide services and stuff like that for us, man. I think, you know, we should use mechanisms like WBAI to be able to gather the troops, man, within the community grassroots, on the grassroots route, man, to be able to, you know, have resources to respond, stuff like this, man. Like, you know, it's survival of the fittest out here, and we waiting on government uh, to provide for us, man. We in bad shape. You know, I think, you know, we should learn, uh, take this as a learning lesson, uh, uh, brother, and for us to take action on the grassroots level, it should be immediate uh, grassroots alerts uh, to everybody within the region, man, to respond and, 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 and organize and galvanize our people, man. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you so much for calling in. Catherine, do we have another call on the line? Oh, we've got a few more calls. So, okay, we're going to try to squeeze all four of them in. Welcome to WBAI. What is on your mind? Hi, you're on the air. Nope. Okay, we'll go to the next call. Okay, welcome. Uh, got another caller on the line. Welcome to WBAI. How? Uh, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, can you just speak up just a little? You're very muffled. Oh, uh, my name is Heidi, and I'm calling from Rockaway, New York. And so now, I don't know if I'm overreacting. So I just ordered some Chinese food, and it came really quick. So I said, wow, you guys got here really fast. So then I took the food, I paid for it, and then I just kept thinking they never, ever came this fast. Then it dawned on me what's going on. So I haven't eaten it yet. I don't normally, I haven't bought it in like six months. All of a sudden, I just wanted it. But am I overreacting, like being a little freaked out that I ordered Chinese food? I think that right now what we are seeing, not just here in New York City, but we are seeing across our globe is that there has been a lot of uh, xenophobia and there is a lot of racism and a lot of uh, mischaracterizations, particularly as people call this the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus. I think you did something right to order Chinese food. Uh, one of our guests who was in here on the air with me last week, Justin Brannon, a Brooklyn councilman, had said he's gone to every dumpling spot in his district recently. And I think it is smart to also, if you can go out, if you uh, do want to order some food, that you do want to patronize a place that you normally go to, that you go ahead and you do that and you still just practice your the precautionary measures that officials are saying, such as continue to wash your hands and socially distance yourself. But as much as possible, you try to go about your life and not overreact. That's just my personal view on that. Thank you so okay, much. For, thank you so much for thank giving you. a call. Got another caller. Welcome to WBAI. What is on your mind? Hi, welcome to WBAI. Hi. Yeah, I sometimes I'm confused. I've been going out a lot, and especially this weekend, it seemed no one was taking it seriously. The trains were packed. And then now we're finally taking it seriously. I went to the health food store to get some things that Gary No recommended, and they were out of most of it. Uh, by the way, Bernie Sanders uh, gave an excellent uh, rundown in his speech. I didn't hear Joe Biden's, but Bernie Sanders was pretty good. Did you get to hear it? I did not. I am looking forward to this debate on Sunday. I want to see how the two of them do. And I honestly hope that we have a really good educated debate on the issues this Sunday. And I feel like that this is going to, without the live audience, this is going to be more of a casual debate that's focused on the issues. That's my hope. Yeah. Okay. I think Biden will be well prepped. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for calling in. So I want to thank all of our callers. Uh, Do we have any others? Oh, there's still more. We've got another call. Okay. We've got about two, three minutes left at the most. Uh, Next call. Welcome to WBAI. What is on your mind? Hi. Welcome to WBAI. You're on the air. Okay. That call must have dropped off. We got another caller? Great. Thanks, Catherine. Uh, Hello. Welcome to WBAI. Thanks. You're doing a good job. I like your show. Thank you. Uh, What's on your mind? Um, Well, this would be the little, the smallest little uh, horseshoe nail in the capitalist system. If, in fact, this was somebody just making some extra money, 
on an animal that was experimented on without having the moral or maybe they don't have the intelligence or they had to have known something was bad, but they figured they'd make an extra couple of bucks, possibly. Uh, the second thing is, are we supposed to be experimenting on animals? I mean, it is kind of horrible. We're just injecting them. And then they found out that this is a biowarfare type of a, uh, a virus. That's why this is so scary, because this is not just like the flu. There's something engineered here. So then it gets into the whole thing where Trump immediately makes this into a political thing. He says it's a hoax, but he said, okay, I said the Democrats were making this into a hoax, but doesn't that make him seem not only uh, inept or you know how uh, you would just think, okay, I want to take this seriously. Hopefully it's nothing serious, but we want to make the protocol. You know, that's an intelligent president. Instead, immediately it was, oh, this is uh, uh, the Democrats. They're trying to hype this up. Now, how many people might have died because we didn't enact the things that we maybe needed to enact a lot sooner? And it starts at the top. The president doesn't take it seriously. So I want to thank you. It's going to get warm. Don't worry about it. So, so, but I want to thank you for closing for closing out our show only because I'm going to have to start wrapping up. But thank you so much for your points. I want to thank uh, my guests today, Julie Menon, director of the census for New York City, Judy Zangwill, executive director of Sunnyside Community Services, and her colleague, Jesus Casado Gonzalez, who's the organization census manager, and also our New York City public advocate, Jumani Williams, for calling in and offering some of his insight. I will be back on Sunday with City Watch, joined by my co-host, David Brand of the Queen's Daily Eagle, and in studio, Juan Restrepo, Queen's organizer for transportation alternatives. We're going to discuss transportation issues, but Dig deeper into the MTA's controversial Queen's bus redesign plan and also ask for your opinions on that. Hope you'll tune in at 6 o'clock on Sunday. We're also going to get the latest news from our WBAI correspondent, Celeste Katz-Marston. And on next Thursday's Driving Forces, I'll be back with two guests who were booked during this Women's History Month, Congress members Carolyn Maloney and Yvette Clark. So please tune in next Thursday at 5 o'clock when I'll be back. And I want to thank you for staying loyal to WBAI for tuning in this afternoon. Please stay tuned for the news with Paul DiRienzo. Have a good evening.